So in this second part we look at of Habakkuk, we're going to see something that I'm going to call the troublesome triangle. And that might be a new concept for you, or I might be reminding you of something you're well aware of, just with a different name. To create this troublesome triangle, there are three speeches that we need to look at in the book. Uh, We've actually seen two of them last week already, but I'm going to reprise those for us today. The first speech is Habakkuk, the second is God, and then the third again is Habakkuk. So Habakkuk, in his first speech, approaches God and he says, What's the deal with your people? They are evil. I'm looking upon them. There is violence among them. There's injustice. There's wrongdoing. They look pretty much like the exact opposite of the godly people you intended. They are an evil people. And he says to God, I'm seeing this. Are you seeing this? I want this to change and don't feel I can change it. Can you change it? He seems to be asking God two really important questions. Do you care? about the evil and the violence of your people, and are you able to do anything about it? Habakkuk's questions push deep into our understanding of who God is. Habakkuk wants to check against the evil of God's people, God, are you good? And God, are you actually powerful? Because right now, there's a problem, and I think you need to step into it. Well, here comes the second speech. God has seen, and he essentially says to Habakkuk, yeah, I've seen, watch this. But his answer to Habakkuk is quite shocking. He says in verse 6 of chapter 1, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole world. He says, look, I know my people are really violent. I know they do a lot of evil. I know there's some wrongdoing. So here's here's my plan. I'm going to raise up an even more powerful people. See, if Habakkuk's question to God is, are you good and are you powerful? God responds with a a very clear, yes, I'm very powerful. So powerful that I'm going to raise up this nation who will overwhelm my people, who will overwhelm the whole world. It's within my power to do that. And so watch me raise up Babylon. They are wild. They are violent. They are cruel. They are everything awful and they will terrorize the world this is not the response that Habakkuk might have been expecting because now we come to the third speech and Habakkuk kind of has a what the moment for Habakkuk and maybe for you and I it doesn't quite compute he says God there's these really evil people who are yours can you do something about it God says yeah I'll raise up some more evil people some worse people So Habakkuk has this moment where he's saying, this just does not make sense to me. So I think what Habakkuk does here is what a lot of us do. When things don't make sense, you you stop and you think to yourself, well, what do I know? Verse 12, Habakkuk goes over what he does know about God. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord have appointed them, them being the Babylonians, to execute judgments. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. What Habakkuk does at this point is he says, right, we can establish one thing. Yes, God, I agree, you are powerful. You're eternal. I get what you're doing here. You've raised up these people. They're going to come along and they're going to punish your people for their evil doing. That makes sense to me. I see your immense display of power. You are a powerful God. 
But here's where it doesn't compute. Habakkuk says, the problem is, the thing that you're doing, powerful as it is, it doesn't seem very good. It doesn't seem moral. It doesn't seem at all right. Verse 13, Habakkuk says this, God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? This is Habakkuk's problem, and this is what's going to start to create our, uh, our troublesome triangle. He says, yeah, I can see that you're powerful, but I know you as good, your eyes are pure, yet you seem pleased to look on the evil of these people you're sending against your own people. How does that work, Lord? And I think as we read on in this passage, Habakkuk moves from, I'm really confused to this, to what you might call an escalating threefold accusation against God. Verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? God accuses... Habakkuk accuses God of toleration. Now, that is a word that's become confused in our time. Uh, just like the word literally. Often we use literally in a figurative way, and so we don't even know what literally means anymore. Sometimes when we use the word tolerance or tolerate today, we mean uh, just accept and go along with and agree. But that's not what tolerate means. You think about it in engineering terms, to, to have a tolerance is to say, that's not right. That's actually out of what we want, but we will allow this much of the problem. Habakkuk is saying to God, you know that this is wrong. You don't agree with this thing, but you're tolerating it. You're having it happen. But then things escalate. Because now I think what uh, Habakkuk accuses God of is compliance. Again, in verse 13, he says, why are you silent?" while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. He says, God, you're powerful to act. You have a voice. You could change this whole thing. With your voice, you could actually sort out your own people, but instead you're going to bring a people even worse, and you're going to tolerate that, and you're going to say nothing about it. It seems that you're compliant with their evil. But it's going to get even further as Habakkuk has this very honest conversation with God. He says, not only do you tolerate, not only are you compliant, but it seems, God, that you're an enabler. You are enabling the actions of these Babylonians. Let me read through verses 14 to 17 with you. Habakkuk says to God, you've made people, that is your own people, like the fish in the sea. Like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe, that is the Babylonians, pull all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his nets. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. By his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his nets, destroying nations without mercy? Habakkuk is saying, 
in your power, God, you appear to be an enabler. You've left your people like the fish of the ocean. You brought these Babylonians along who are going to catch them up like fishermen and then worship their fishing rods about it. Not only have you enabled their evil deeds, you know that as a result of them being victorious over your people, they will be idolaters and worship themselves and worship their false gods. And you're empowering them to do that. You empower their evil, you empower their idolatry. How does this even make sense if you're a good God? And here's where we come to this troublesome triangle created by these three speeches and possibly by yours and my own experience of life. Let me see if I can draw this up for you. We know that God is good and we know that God is powerful. Yet we also know that there's this thing in our world and in Habakkuk's time called evil. And so Habakkuk has asked God and said, God, are you powerful to do something about this evil. Now the problem is, when evil exists, we must ask of God, God, is there anything you can do about this? Are you powerful to stop it? Well, God said, yes, I am. I am powerful to stop it. This creates another question for Habakkuk. He says, well, if there's evil and you're powerful to stop it, then how do I know that you're also good Because if you're powerful to stop the evil and you don't stop the evil, then maybe you're just okay with evil. Maybe you're evil. Maybe you're not actually the good God that you claim to be. Habakkuk's really confused because he's saying, your eyes are pure and holy. How will you look upon this evil? On another day, Habakkuk and others have said, well, if God is really, really good, and he doesn't want evil things to happen, then maybe God's just powerful to do anything about it. Poor God. He sits there in heaven wishing the world would go better and there's nothing that he can do about it. Ian rightly asked us the question last week, where do you think God is with this whole COVID situation that's going on? Well, as I read Habakkuk and the rest of the scriptures, I would say that God is certainly powerful over the deployment of COVID. This isn't something God's unaware of or unable to change. And at the same time, I need to believe that God is good and that he doesn't want bad things to happen. So how does it work? How do we manage this troublesome triangle where we're meant to believe that God is good and God is powerful, but yet we have this problem of evil that exists amongst God's people and beyond God's people and in the suffering that happens in our world? You see, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that it's because of this troublesome triangle, God's goodness, God's power, and the presence of evil and suffering, that many give up on trusting God. And that many have given up on trusting God, and many will give up on trusting God. And I want to say right here, from the platform of this church, that it's entirely understandable and makes a whole lot of sense if that is your decision. As you contemplate these truths together, these three points of this triangle, and you say, no, I give up on God, I want to say that makes sense. I want to say you're not, you're not crazy at all. 
you may have given up. You may have chosen to never got involved with God because you're aware of this troublesome triangle. You may this morning today be just hanging in there trying to work out how can this all go together. I want to say to you, you're not crazy. At the same time, I wonder if you will allow me from Habakkuk to show you another approach. This is what I'm going to call this morning the H position. Have a look at Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. Habakkuk makes a decision, I'm going to call it to adopt the H position. He says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Now Habakkuk's been confronted with this reality that a people raised up by God are coming against God's people. He probably has some choices he could make at this stage. He could go into denial. No, 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 God would never do that. He loves us far too much and he wouldn't let anything bad ever happen to us. He could run away from the city, go and live somewhere else. There's a number of different things that Habakkuk can do. He orients himself in a way where he decides not to turn his back on God's goodness, not to turn his back on God's power, But instead, he's going to stand at his station, at his watch, on the ramparts, right in the spot where you would see the attackers coming against the city. Right in the space where he's going to get the best possible view of this evil advancing. The best possible view of the suffering that is coming in the way of the Babylonian armies. He says, I'm going to stand there at my post, at my watch, and I'm going to get a good Look, if we were to adopt the H position, as I'm commending this morning, then we adopt the position where we don't look away from suffering. And we don't look away from evil. And we don't look away from the problems that happen in the world. You see, when we look away from those things and try to pretend like everything is peachy, or try to just tell one another to look on the bright side, I imagine that that is just tremendously frustrating for the unbeliever who has not yet believed that God is real, that he is powerful and he is good because we refuse to acknowledge evil. And when we look away from evil and look away from the suffering, it makes us ignorant as believers and will lead us to a space of immaturity. Habakkuk adopts this position where he wants to look into the evil. He wants to see what's coming. As we read on in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1b, he says, I will look to see what God will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. He's chosen to look to get a good view and now he is chosen to look to gain understanding, but not just his own understanding. He says, I'm going to station myself at my watch and I'm going to look to see what God is doing next. I'm not going to make a quick decision. I'm going to take in the full terror of this situation, not pretend it's not as bad. I'm going to take in the full terror. And I'm going to look to see what God says about it. I'm going to ask God for his interpretation of it so that I might actually have an informed response. 
Again, if I was to draw this for you, I think the H position looks something like this, where we have Habakkuk positions himself here, chooses to believe in God's goodness and power, and is going to look, and rather than interrogate whether God's really good or God's really powerful, he's going to interrogate what God's doing through the suffering. He's going to interrogate what God's doing through this evil situation. This is what I'm calling the H position. And next week, as we pick up some more in Habakkuk, I'm going to tell you a few of the essential ingredients to adopt the H position, but that's for next week. Right now, I want to test out the H position and see if it works. Habakkuk has chosen to interrogate the evil, to believe that God is good, and believe that God is powerful. The pages of history record another man who was called to adopt a similar position and who adopted the position. And from that position had an opportunity to experience God's power, God's goodness, and to see what God does in the face of real evil. That man's name was Peter. He was one of the first followers of the man, Jesus. Peter's a man who famously was the first person to acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so there was this time where Jesus said to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the good one, you are the powerful one. And Jesus said to Peter, well, the next thing that's going to happen in my story is something tremendously evil. There's going to be a whole lot of suffering. I'm going to be put to death. Peter said, no, no, that will never happen of you. Now, Jesus famously rebuked Peter at that point and actually called him into the H position. He said, get behind me. You have in mind your things rather than God's things. He was saying to Peter, what I want you to do is follow me, watch me walk into this evil space and watch to see what happens. Well, that's exactly what would happen in the life of Peter. He would follow Jesus he would have some hiccups along the way. But from the H position, Peter would watch Jesus get arrested. From a distance with others, Peter would watch Jesus be put to death. And then as Luke's, Luke and John's Gospels record, Peter would come to a tomb on the third day and find it empty. Later, Peter would see Jesus alive again. Later, Peter would see Jesus ascend to the right hand of God the Father. In his life and from the H position, Peter had the opportunity to experience real suffering, real evil. From the H position, he got to experience God's power. From the H position, Jesus, uh, Peter got to experience God's goodness. And sometime after this, Peter would make a speech to many others. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. And here is what Peter declares. Here is what Peter learns. He says this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. 
This man was handed over to you. Now listen to this part. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. What Peter is describing is a troublesome triangle where God who is good and God who is powerful had a plan and that plan worked with wicked, evil men. And what did it bring? Well, let me see if I can draw this for you. Because what Peter saw from the H position was that God's goodness would extend beyond the evil of Jesus being put to death. God's power would extend beyond the evil of Jesus, putting to, Jesus being put to death and bring about his resurrection. And because God is good and God is powerful, he moves beyond evil and brings his people into a place of renewal. Peter could have despaired. He could have run away for good. He could have turned his back on God's goodness. He could have turned his back on God's power. But like Habakkuk, he stood at his watch and he waited to see what God would say. And what God said is, this is my son. See, he is alive. By Jesus' resurrection, God's goodness is demonstrated. God's power is demonstrated. And for people like Habakkuk, for people like Peter, we get to see beyond suffering, we get to see the renewal, the next chapter that God is bringing in his magnificent story. We get to see renewal. But we don't get to see it if we despair. You see, I call this the H position. I thought it was H for Habakkuk, but I realized as I was reflecting upon, upon this, it's H for hope. This is the position of hope. This is the position that is not overwhelmed by the evil and the suffering of our time. This is the position that hopes in a God who is powerful. This is the position that hopes in a God who is good. This is a position that hopes and waits for God to move beyond the troublesome times. Now I know you'll be saying that's a really hard thing to do. But another man, Paul who also knew the H position, writes this to the church in Rome. In Romans 8, chapter 24, he says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This opening chapter of Habakkuk, very honest it introduces us to a troublesome triangle that is real in our time where we are called to believe in a God who is powerful a God who is good and acknowledge that real evil and real suffering exists in our world the decision before us today and each day is whether we want to adopt a position of despair to turn away from God or do we want to adopt the H position, the position of hope? The position that says, I won't deny, I will look into the evil, I will look into the trouble, I will look into the suffering, and I will wait to see what God's comment on it is. Because historically, God has shown that he is powerful and good to work through evil to bring renewal.
And that is what he confirmed in his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The H position is one that causes us to stop telling our God about our unstoppable evil and to start telling our evil about our unstoppable God. The H position is not a position of despair. The H position is a position of hope. It's a position that acknowledges a very difficult chapter, but also acknowledges a glorious God who will work through that chapter to write a glorious story of renewal. This is the God in which we hope. This is the God we meet in Habakkuk. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you that in him, once and for all, you demonstrated your goodness and your love when Jesus chose to come and die in our place. When we were wicked, you did not look away, you did not remain silent. Instead, you came to intervene in a sacrificial, loving way, confirming your great goodness. And as Peter saw... After Jesus died, he didn't stay dead. Death could not hold him down, and so you confirmed your amazing power. And so, Father God, we pray today that whatever might confront us, whatever evil, whatever suffering, whatever tribulation, we pray, Father, that inspired by your Holy Spirit, we might also, like Habakkuk before us, like Peter before us, and like so many who have gone before us, adopt the position of hope. The position that trust that you are good and powerful and are writing a glorious story of renewal that moves well beyond the difficult chapters of evil and suffering that we will encounter. Father God, it's not easy for us to do. And so we ask that as we reflect on the testimony of men like Peter and men like Habakkuk, and with the help of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would keep us in this hope that we have grasped so that we may not be overcome by the despair of suffering and evil, but instead that we might be free, hoping for what has been made sure in our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.